So true it is. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And in his presence, you'll find peace that you can find nowhere else. You say, Brother Rod, where can I find the presence of God? Well, he is everywhere, but where you're going to notice is when you make him welcome and when you invite him and you begin to open your heart unto the Lord. We're going to get into the reading of the word of the Lord tonight in our Bible study. And if you have your Bibles, we'll give you a moment if you would like to follow along. And uh, we will have that also where you can follow on the screen. But in the book of 2 Timothy tonight, beginning of uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verses 1 through 5. And then we're going to read one verse in the book of Acts chapter number 16, and verse number 25. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 1, and it reads, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient unto parents, unthankful, unholy. Verse 3, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now in the book of Acts, chapter number 16, and verse number 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. For just a little while tonight, the Lord would help us. We'd like to teach from a simple thought, and it may sound strange, but we're going to title this Polar Opposite. Polar Opposite. The definition of polar opposite is something that is complete or an exact opposite of something else. I think each and every one of us tonight may have our own idea of polar opposite. In a humorous way, sometimes you may think of your companion maybe as polar opposite. But you know God puts us together in a perfect match. Because if we were all the same, wouldn't that be kind of boring at times? So God, he certainly has made things interesting for us in life. But we're going to talk about tonight polar opposite. The Apostle Paul, in his second letter to his son in the gospel, Timothy, he reveals some things to him, and he's wanting to prepare him to open his understanding and for him to not be caught off guard with what he would be facing. I believe today this letter to Timothy that Paul wrote several, many, many years ago, is so relevant today, I believe we see exactly today the words that Paul penned to his son in the gospel, you and I are seeing coming to pass bright, clear, and loud in our present time. He said, and I want to take our thoughts from verse number two, he said that men would be lovers of their own selves. We see today that people today are set about doing what makes them feel good, how they can succeed. 
and the things that they can prosper with, and oftentimes the fellow man is forgotten about. We read where he said covetous, desiring things that, are, that others have, not being satisfied with what we have, but always looking for something that they don't have. Covetous, desiring things that are really not theirs. And boasters, proud. Uh, my goodness, you look around and you, you'll hear people talking. It's always about what I have done, <laughs> what I have accomplished, what I can do. And the proud boastings of men. And, and then we hear of blasphemers, those that denounce, those that try to tear down and discredit God's word. Them that are disobedient under parents. I can tell you today, if I've ever seen a time uh, where children have become disobedient under parents, where they will disobey and, and they will uh, answer back in, in, in a mocking tone or even a hateful tone, it's a shame today that we see um, what we see and, and what we're experiencing in our not just our nation but worldwide. And it's a tragedy what has become. But I want to focus tonight upon these two words, unthankful and unholy. Unthankful and unholy. When I think of the word unthankful, I think of someone who does not appreciate the blessings that have been bestowed upon them. They don't appreciate uh, just having food and raiment and shelter. They don't appreciate uh, the kind words or the deeds when things are, are done for them. They cannot appreciate when things uh, of someone have said and gave them a compliment, and, and they're not thankful at all. But we live in a time where people, I don't understand how the mindset has become, but we live in a truly an unthankful and then next an unholy generation. Unholy meaning the opposite of, of course, holy. And I want to say tonight that this does not have to be you. And it should not be you. And you make that determining factor. You choose. We all do. We choose tonight whether we are going to be thankful or unthankful. We choose to be holy or we choose to be unholy. You can make excuses you can blame, uh, play that blame game and, and point your finger at somebody else. Well, the reason why I'm not thankful is because of this. Or the reason why I live the way I do, and, and if, you're, if you're an unholy person, well, you make those choices. We all make our own choices in life. It's not a time to make excuses, but it's a time to recognize. It's a time for us to look into the mirror and say, this is who you are. And if you look in that mirror and you're not happy, with what you see, my friend, don't blame someone else. Don't blame a preacher. Don't blame your mom or your dad. Don't blame your siblings. And don't blame your job. Don't blame someone else. But my friend, as you look into that mirror, you need to say, you're the reason. It is your fault. No one else's. It is only then that we can begin, as we recognize the scenario, to begin to make a change. The Apostle Paul, and we read uh, already these passages of Scripture about the last day, what Paul had said to Timothy. But we read an account in the book of Acts, chapter number 16, verse 25, and I'll read the verse again for your benefit tonight. It said, At the midnight 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I want to relate to you what had taken place. The apostle Paul and his uh, companion in the gospel as they were traveling, preaching the word of God, Silas, they had received a, and Paul received a vision. He had had a vision. And in this vision, he saw a man from Macedonia. He said, come and help us. Come and help us. And Paul felt such an urgency. And so immediately the scripture said that Paul set out on a journey on his way to Macedonia. And on his way, the apostle Paul and Silas had stopped in a city called Philippi. And while they were in that city of Philippi, it was there the custom of the apostle that they would always find them a place that they could pray or a place and where they could teach the word of God. And the Bible says they had found them a place along the riverside. And it was at the side of the river that a prayer meeting had went on. And they had begun to pray and seek the face of God. And in the midst of this prayer meeting, the apostle Paul, no doubt teaching and ministering, there was a woman and many women there probably washing clothes and so forth. And the Bible says there was a woman named Lydia whom he had met. And the Bible said she was a seller of purple. A seller of purple. She was uh, one, and purple was a, by the way, a color of royalty, of richness. And so she uh, was a seller of purple, and many people knew her. But the Bible says something interesting. She had a love and a fear for God. So she heard the words of the apostle Paul and Silas as they would worship and as they brought forth the word of God. And the Bible says that the word of God was able to reach the heart of this woman, and she was baptized by the apostle in the name of the Lord. And she constrained them that she had wealth, and no doubt she had room, and she said, while you're in the area, why don't you just stay if I have found favor? Why don't you just stay at my home and you can rest there? And so she allowed uh, the apostle and invited him and Silas that they might stay at her house while they were there in Philippi. And as custom, they continually every day would pray and they'd went into the temple uh, and they began to share the gospel. They began to share the word of the Lord. But we find that day after day, as they would travel through and going in and out, there was a young maiden, the Bible said, that had begun to follow them. And as she followed them, she began to declare, these are great men of God. These are servants of the Most High God, rather, she said. And they show us the way of salvation. You'll find that in verse number 18. And she did this many days. Verse number 18, the apostle Paul, it says, being grieved, he turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. See, this woman, this young maiden had a spirit of divination and she was owned. The Bible said she had masters that owned her. She was personal property. She foretold things. She had that spirit of divination. And she was following the apostle Paul and Silas, and it was disturbing Paul. And she was saying these things. Yes, they were servants of God. They were uh, ministers of the gospel, but they weren't to be seen as 
just uh, men to be praised, but they were giving glory to God, and Paul was tired of this. And so he rebukes that spirit, and that spirit came out of her. And immediately, when that spirit left, her owners, they were angry. Why? Because they lost their gold mine. See, they had a gold mine in this young maiden that was their slave. She would, for money, tell people their fortunes. And because Paul had rebuked that spirit that was within her, and that spirit had been cast out of her, she no longer could do that anymore. And then her master's brought them to the magistrates, and they were angry. And they began to declare, hey, these men bring in religion, and they're, they're bringing in things that's not lawful for us being Romans to hear. They're stirring up trouble, in other words. No, their problem was they lost their gain. It got their pocketbook, and they were upset. So the magistrates had them beaten and then thrown into not just prison, in the inner prison. And the jailer receiving such strict order, he had them chained in their inner prison, and he had them watched. And it brings us to our reading. It was at the midnight hour that Paul and Silas, picture in your mind, had been beaten. They were bruised, probably bleeding, the blood drying. They were hurting. They were in pain. But yet they counted it a joy because they had suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, you'll read later, he counted it a joy that he might suffer for Christ. And we find here that instead of complaining, instead of saying, well, look what kind of mess we've got ourselves into now. What are we going to do here? We came here to do something good, and now we're sitting here in prison. We've been beaten, probably getting hungry, sore, tired not knowing when we're going to get out of this place. And no doubt the flesh, that's what it would think. But no, we don't find. <laughs> we don't find a complaining man or men here. We don't find men that are uh, complaining because they're in prison. We find two men that begin to pray. We find two men that begin to sing praises unto God. Oh, let me tell you something. When you begin to praise God, when you begin to magnify the name of the Lord, you may feel like you're in a prison house. You may feel like you've been chained. You may feel like that you've been beaten down. But my friend, when you begin to magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there's something that is going to happen in your lives. And as they begin to worship and magnify the Lord and sing songs of praises, the Bible says all of a sudden that jail begin to rock. That jailhouse begin to rock and shake. And friend, the chains fell off of them. The doors of the prison opened up wide. That tells me something tonight. If you and I will begin to worship and praise our God in the midst of your time of trouble, in the midst of the time you feel helpless and and you feel there is no hope. You feel like you have been bound. And your flesh is telling you, well, you might as well just pity yourself. You might as well just go sit in the corner somewhere because nobody cares about poor little me. Oh, that's not a time, my friend, to begin to pamper oneself. But it's a time to begin to look up and to magnify your God. It's a time to begin to praise the name of the Lord. 
They worshiped God and praised him. And the chains fell off. That tells us if you and I will do the same thing in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your hardships, in the midst of the times when you are hurting and you don't feel like there's no one else around that even cares about you, there's a God that's looking down. And if you'll begin to look up to him and you'll begin to honor him and begin to thank him for what he has done, it's not a time to be unthankful. It's not a time to be unholy, but it's a time to begin to give glory and praise to God. And friend, if you'll begin to honor him, he will begin to bless you. He will lift you up. The jailer, after the shaking, he's awakened because he had been asleep. And he sees doors open. And immediately the scripture says he draws his sword. You see, in that day, the jailer's responsibility was his own life. If he lost prisoners, he lost his life. And he drew his sword, and knowing his fate, what it would be, because surely, seeing the doors open, he knew all the prisoners had fled. But there was a cry that rang out in one of them cells. The apostle said, do yourself no harm, Paul said, because we are all here. You see, sometimes things happen in our lives, and we wonder why. We wonder why we're going through this hardship. We wonder why we've had this happen to, why has this happened to me? I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to be a better person. My friend, I believe Romans 8, 28 with all of my heart, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Friend, if you'll just love him, he's going to work all those things together for your good. He's called us. And the apostle said, don't do yourself any harm. The jailer comes trembling, and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, some things we go through is going to be for someone else's good, but ultimately it's going to be for the glory of God. The man was ready to take his own life, and he would have. But the man of God said, don't do yourself no harm. Trembling coming before the apostles, and there he kneels. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The apostle began to preach to him, and he shared with him the message. And the Bible says that he believed the word, and he arose. He, he washed the stripes first upon the men, and, and then they baptized not just the jailer, but his household. And they shared even more of the word of the Lord with this jailer. You see, our initial reaction to such a scenario as Paul and Silas were in, beaten, put in prison, humiliated, our reaction would possibly be, well, I think of the words of prophet Jeremiah. He had tried to warn and warn and warn Israel. Judgment was coming if you don't repent. They rejected him. He was thrown in prison in the mire. And he purposed within his heart, I'm just not going to say another word. I'm just going to keep it to myself. The more I speak it, the more trouble I get in, the more beaten I get. But I love what the man of God said. 
But God's word become like a fire that was shut up within his bones. It was like a fire that consumed him and he had to preach God's word my friend I want to tell you something God has placed his word within us not to keep it silent but that we may share it because there's somebody out there that's a polar opposite of you there's somebody out there who does not see the hope you know and have my friend tonight it is your responsibility it is our responsibility that we may share this message of hope Paul shared with that jailer uh, a message of hope that would turn his life around. Instead of ending his own life, my friend, he found new life that very night. He became a new creature in Christ, and all things had passed away, and all things had become new. And we find that the apostle Paul, he goes on preaching this message and he would go on preaching until he would finally one day face a Roman emperor and would be his last testimony, but he would give his life for the Lord. But we might ask ourselves a question tonight. How can I be thankful? What grounds do I have to stand on to be thankful? First of all, I want to tell you something. You've got to get in this old book right here. It's in the Word of God alone that you're going to find an answer. It's in the Word of God alone that you're going to find inspiration. And it's through the Word of God, my friend, that you'll find your encouragement. How can we become thankful? The book of Psalm 106, verse number 1, the Scripture is said, Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You see, you've got something to be thankful for tonight because God is a merciful God and his mercy endureth forever. You may have fallen and feel like, well, I messed up. I don't have a chance. My friend, God's mercy is reaching to you. Get back up, dust yourself off, and cry out unto the Lord. The Bible said if we would confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins. In the book of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul, chapter 13, verse 15, I love this verse. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. Learning to become thankful, you got to practice this. You may have had a hard day, but give God praise and thank him anyway that he gave you the strength to get through it. Thank him, and my friend, tomorrow is a new day, and God will help and see you through. Being thankful is a choice. You choose to be thankful, or you can choose to be unthankful. Being holy in the book of Leviticus, chapter number 11, verses 44 through 45, God speaking to Moses and telling Israel he had brought them out of Egypt and delivered them from bondage, and God is making them a people for himself. Verse 44, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. What's he saying? Clean up. Clean up. Wash off. He says, sanctify yourselves and be, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. I like that. 
I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping things that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 45, for I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You say, well, Brother Rod, that was the Old Testament and a long time ago. Well, let's see what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 15 and 16 in our New Testament Bible. He says this, but as he which hath called you, he's called you, is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Our conversation, what comes out of our mouth, do you realize that from the abundance of the heart, the Mouth speaks. So what is within us is what comes out of us. And the apostle Peter is telling us, be holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 16, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. We want to please God. The apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, what? He says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're his. We're his. We often quote the passive scripture in the Gospel of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has come to give life to every one of us. But we choose, we choose to accept that life or we can choose and go the way of the world. God does not force his will upon you or I, any of us. He won't force his will upon us. We recently taught from the book of Revelation chapter 3, where it said Jesus stands at the door and he's knocking. He knocks. He's knocking on the door. What's it telling us? He's knocking on your heart's door. He's knocking on our heart's door. He's saying, will you let me in? You see, God has called us in this very hour to be the polar opposite. Paul said what would be in the last days. He said that perilous times would come. We're seeing them. He said men would be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. God, help us tonight. Help us tonight that we never become unthankful. Oh, help us, and help us, God forbid, that we should ever become unholy.